Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on the sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer, and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. In this conversation, I speak to Olivia Bowens. Olivia is the mother of two, a doula, a birth photographer, and an advocate for women's maternal health and well-being. Through her popular Instagram feed, Her Holistic Path, she guides women to prepare for the best birth they can have. Here we speak honestly about birth, about her own personal experience, and the shortcomings of the medical system. She shares honestly and openly about the challenges of modern motherhood without the support of a village, and the ways that she supports and cares for herself to keep learning and growing through it all. I really love this conversation. By the end, I felt like me and Olivia were like best buddies. I really feel like she's my friend in real life. She is so honest about her journey and the issues she has with the spiritual and wellness industries. She's passionate and articulate, and there is so much wisdom in here. Get a pen and paper ready. You're going to need it. So Olivia, welcome to the Soul Mama podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a real pleasure following your journey on Instagram through her holistic path. And I just wanted to have you here to kind of give your perspective as a mother, as a doula, and as a woman on her spiritual journey. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped. I love podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. I'm a fiend, literally. And that's part of what kind of led me to creating my own. I really wanted to um, center our voices as mothers, as mothers of color, and really kind of shine a light on our experiences and our narratives. And I think you're already doing that so beautifully through your work. So it was a natural choice for me to have you on here. And so the first thing that I really wanted to go into was what started the journey for you? What did your birth and your motherhood journey awaken in you? Oh, I mean, it was a lot. Um, It was a big process. So even just the word awakening, it's like, I think a lot of people who get into spirituality, um, or even just are conscious of, you know, who they are on a more aware level they say this word awakening and it's like you just wake up one day and for me it was like I can go back and progressively see like 
And when that happened, a little piece of my ego cracked. And when that happened, a little piece of me died. And when that happened, a little piece of me grew. And I mean, I think my two pregnancies paralleled each other. Um, one was very um, scary and dark. And it kind of showed me my darkness. And one had a lot of light. Mm -hmm. And it like showed me my capacity to hold lightness when I felt very heavy if that makes sense so would you consider yourself on a spiritual journey before you got pregnant with your first child oh definitely but it was like well here's my thing I think we are all on a spiritual journey Agreed. this is another thing that, like I have so many qualms with the spiritual community let's go because there. Let's like go there. <laughs> I'm ready we and it's the wellness community too, yeah. because it's like, you know, the trendiness and the certain terms that we're using. And again, it's like this thing of like being on a spiritual path or a spiritual journey. We all, I think, are on a spiritual journey. Some of us are just aware of it and some of us are not. And I think at I've, since I've been a very young child, I always had very deep, deep questions. Like as a child, I remember looking up in the sky and asking myself like there's more here I don't really know but this stuff that they're telling me like it's just us here on this planet and God and that's it no that's not and I've had that feeling since a young person and I think I just carried those questions through my entire life but before I became a mother I was very religious and I was very dogmatic and I was very interested in getting to the bottom of things. Like I wanted to know the truth. What is the truth in this particular religion? What is the truth about, you know, how our world works? And so it was almost as if I had kind of tapped out from my spiritual side and tapped into my very analytical side. And then I think... I became a little bit, no, even after having my first baby, I was still very analytical and very like, it's this and it's that, and I'm going to do this. And it was just boom, boom, boom. And then my second pregnancy, that's when my whole world just cracked open. And I was like, this is the thing that I've been knowing was always there, but I never like knew what it was. So what was that for you? What was that shift? Yeah. So basically to kind of just get straight to the point, I grew up um, very like Christian, um, very like, this is the Bible. This is all there is. This is the truth. This is the way. <laughs> That's it. Um, and I don't want to minimize that because I think there's so much truth and depth and guidance in Christianity, but the type of Christianity that I was practicing it was not serving me. It was making me feel so guilty and ashamed. And like, every time I sinned, I was just like in so much fear and, you know, Jesus is going to come down at any time and tell me how horrible I am. And that was the, the story I had throughout my young adulthood and throughout my first pregnancy. And it wasn't until my second pregnancy where I gave myself permission to not care about what other people thought. That was the first thing I did when I saw like the positive pregnancy test. I was like, you know what? No matter what anybody says, 
any negativity, I'm giving myself permission to just feel how I want to feel. And if I want to feel happy, then I'll feel happy. And it was just that question that started giving me permission to do other things like, like maybe I'll question why I believe in this thing that doesn't really serve me. And I started allowing myself to answer all these questions. And what I found was the part of me, I guess the spiritual part of me was kind of locked away. Um, And what I found, it wasn't like I found like, oh, now I know the answer to the universe. So now like, I know I should be, I want to (laughs) know. It wasn't like I found out, oh, I should be a Buddhist instead of a Christian. It was just more like I found the little person in me who was asking all those questions and I let her ask and I set her free. And little by little, it wasn't all in one day. It was just like, well, what if this thing isn't true? Or what if it is true and it's just not true for me? And I kept allowing myself to go down that path. Mm. And it felt some of the answers that I got were not what I wanted to hear, but it felt good to know that they were resonating with me. And I didn't feel like I was forcing myself to be this type of person that I really wasn't. So I guess a level of freedom from like dogma and freedom from certain like societal expectations Mm -hmm. and just freedom to ask. It's, I mean, it doesn't sound that glamorous, but it felt good in the process. No, to me, that's that's the highest value is is freedom. Mm-hmm. Is freedom to answer the desires that we have and to question and to explore and to remain in that curiosity. It sounds like your transition was one from believing what others had told mm-hmm. you into a space of exploring and feeling into that and actually coming into a sense of knowing for yourself, like an inward journey. And I think that's what motherhood holds the potential of because so much is happening internally, physically, you know, emotionally, spiritually, and everybody's just seeing a bump growing, Mm -hmm. right? And you're like, I am moving universes within me, right? I am, I'm creating a miracle. I am a walking miracle right now. And I think when step into that awareness of like, wow, the power of creation is within me. Life is continuing from my body. You get, you give yourself that permission, like you say, to get into the, the truth that you know yourself, that no one else from outside has been able to give you or tell you, but you've been able to arrive at through your own exploration. So to me, that, that is the highest journey and permission that we can give ourselves is to explore that power. Um, and so how do you feel yourself in relation to your Christianity now? Well, I first I'm thankful for it because I think everything happens in people's lives for very specific reasons. And so I'm thankful for all those experiences I had because they allowed me to have the experiences that I'm having now. Um, but in relation to how I feel about just any organized religion, I feel that it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It can either go really, really great (laughs) or it can go really, really dark. And, um, I think a lot of people are silently suffering, um, in their own lack of willingness to question. And so now I've made a lot of peace with my religious upbringing, it wasn't like I was traumatized, um, like by religion, even though emotionally I felt traumatized, like nothing, no one did anything to me. It was all going on in my own mind. Um, 
but now I just feel that and people a lot of people may disagree with this but now I feel like I could tap into any religion and find the depths of the universe I could find the depths of my soul I could find spiritual enlightenment I can find peace I can find happiness and joy in any religion and that's just my personal belief I know a lot of people disagree with that, but that's how I feel now. And so when I look at Christianity, I look at it as that was a part of my life that I'm thankful for. I'm not necessarily ready to engage in it um, at this point, because it's funny. I had to write a paper on Christianity at the end of my uh, college career. And I wrote it while I was pregnant. So I was seeing all of these things about Christianity, modern Christianity, that were not adding up with what was in the Bible. Mm. And so I was like, if I'm going to be a Christian, then I have to be a lot different than all of the Christians that I see. And I finally figured out that it's not about being a Christian. It's just about being a person who follows certain types of morals and values and principles that you can find in almost every religion. Like loving others, loving yourself, being, um, you know, kind to people, not, you know, basic things. Don't don't kill people, don't steal from people. Like these are basic yeah. things that I think are awesome. I just don't feel as though I need that particular religion right now in my life. Got you. I may go back to it. I mean, I'm cool if I do, but um, I think I'm having like a healthy pause from the organized religion right now got you and so you described um your two pregnancies so you've got two daughters if just remind me of their ages so my youngest one will be two this month and my oldest is three and so they're quite close together and yes (laughs) you just (laughs) one is being you know that brought you to the depths of your darkness and one that Mm -hmm. capacity for light so what was the difference in those two pregnancies what had shifted in between and why was one so challenging and the other one so freeing so with my first pregnancy they were both unplanned but with my first one that was my first movement from maiden to mother and so that is always a huge astronomical shift I think for anyone whether it's an enjoyable shift or a painful shift Um, and for that there was a lot of so when I first told people I was pregnant of course it wasn't celebrated I was in my last year of college and I was supposed to be majoring in dance and going on to join like a dance company or something so it wasn't even just like oh my goodness you're having a baby was oh my goodness you're having a baby after almost 10 years of training as a dancer we've all been waiting for you to go you know do your thing in a dance company and now not only are you having a baby, but your whole entire life plan and career has literally just come to a full stop right here. And so that brought on a lot of darkness because I felt highly ashamed of myself. I was like, how could I get right to my last year of, you know, being a young adult right when I'm getting ready to enter into the world. So many people have supported me and my just so many family and friends who were like ready to see me go. And 
many of those people um, that had a lot of negative things to say about my pregnancy. And I don't hold any grudges against them for that. But those reactions, those initial reactions formed my self-identity moving forward, Mm. which was, I'm ashamed of this. I can't believe I made this huge mistake. Um, I'm a failure. I've let everyone down. And so I just started kind of spiraling and spiraling and spiraling um, into that negative self-talk. And of course, on the surface, I had to keep it together. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to change my major, have the baby. Everything's going to be fine, you know. But on the inside, I was really like struggling. And um, I wanted to have children my whole life, but not like that. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want my first announcement of, oh, I'm pregnant. I didn't want people to respond like, what? Like with rage and frustration and sadness. And so I don't, I don't think people really recognize how much that affects you as a pregnant person of course, and how it affects how you mother that child and how you mother yourself. Because there was no mothering of me. I just was like beating myself up through the whole thing. Um, So that I had to do a lot of healing from that. And of course, my second pregnancy was not planned either. But like I had said before, I just gave myself permission to not care. Um, And people's reactions were similar, but not completely the same. And that pregnancy was still difficult. But the way I rode those waves was a lot different because I was like, I'm feeling this feeling, but I've been here before and I'm going to allow myself to feel it, but then come back up for air. Mm. And so it, it was hard, but I was really able to tap into another side of me where, and I also took my doula training when I was um, pregnant. So I had all these women who were like rubbing on my bump and like, you know, so just like, they just loved being, having a pregnant person in their doula training. And I felt so much of that sisterly maternal love. And it just really helped me to carry that pregnancy differently. Yeah. It sounds like you put yourself in the perfect position to be with women who are studying to be doulas whilst you were pregnant. Like, yeah, I love in that room. Like, that's the time that you want to be around you. Women who are, you know, conscientious and wanting to support women through that and who have a respect for birth. And so what other tools, apart from being in this doula training, had you utilized that had kind of helped you on your healing journey from your first pregnancy? Um, journaling. That was the first thing that I tapped into, which I know it sounds really cliche, like, oh, you should go journal. But I think it's very effective. And it was especially effective for me because I was a writer. I went to school for English and I've always been into writing. So just being able to use that tool was just incredible. Um, I remember just writing myself like I had permission to, you know, not think these thoughts. I have permission to be happy. Like those things were very psychologically powerful for me. Um, Other things would be because I was pregnant, I was getting ready for my birth. So I was doing a lot of affirmations. I was doing a lot of guided meditation, um, yoga, like all of the self-care stuff (laughs) that people say you should do. I was doing it 
but I was doing it to get prepared for birth. So I think inadvertently, I started to build like a very positive um, inner conversation with myself about my pregnancy. Because in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm just doing this so I can have a really good birth. But inadvertently, it was helping me to feel better at the same time. Exactly. And those tools that you described, like they're not particular to pregnancy or birth, right? These are like universal tools that we can all tap into. So the fact that you found them and utilized them in that space and time would have had that healing effect on your previous experience as well, right? It's like it's not just confined exactly. to the birth. <laughs> just makes you feel on a higher vibration and a higher frequency all around. And so exactly. what led you into doula training in the first place? Had you already fallen pregnant the second time or what was that kind of motivation about? Yeah. So basically once I found out I was pregnant, I was like, okay, my last birth was about 17 hours long and it was very, very, very hard labor. Um, I didn't know what to do. I was just like in the room, just like, kind of doing this low scream and that went on for hours. I didn't like, I literally was in my hand on my hands and knees for hours. Um, I did eventually get in the tub, but when I got pregnant the second time, I was thinking to myself, like, I know I want to have an unmedicated birth again, but I don't want it to feel like so painful. Yeah. I just don't want to be in that much pain. And because of the type of person that I am, here I go, like, let's get to the bottom of this. Like, let's get to to the truth. (laughs) Right. Why do women have pain? (laughs) Let's work. That was the whole theme of my life. I went from like, all right, let's figure out the truth behind religion and the truth behind, at the same time, I wrote a paper about um, the food industry. So then I was like, getting all this information about like the standard American diet and the food industry and how it's all bullshit. And I'm just like, all right, flipping this over, flipping that over. Now let's flip over birth. (laughs) And so I just went on a birth research rampage. Um, and literally every day I would listen to a podcast. I would watch, I would find a YouTube video that was like educational about birth. And I want to say around my set. Oh, you know what it was? It was on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, I was like Googling around like things to do on Mother's Day because I wanted to kind of like go out to brunch or something. And I came across this nonprofit that was having an event. And they were like, oh, yes, sorry, you missed the event. But, you know, you can come and check us out for other stuff. So I'm like looking on their website and I'm like, oh, wow, they have a doula training coming up like next month. And I had heard a little bit about doulas from the research I had been doing so far. And I was like talking to my husband, like, you know, I really like learning about birth. And, you know, I had been considering doing like a yoga, a yoga um, teacher training or Pilates because I was in dance. And I said, well, you know, it's going to take a long time for me to do those things. So what if I just become a doula instead? Like that's a lot shorter of a process and I'm already kind of obsessed with birth. And he was like, yeah, that sounds good. So I was like, okay. (laughs) And I signed up for the doula training and that was pretty much it. That was like, boom. Like I was officially in the birth world and just mind blown by all of the things that I was learning and 
just couldn't stop. Wow. Yeah. And so that learning whilst being pregnant, like you mentioned, the the sensitivity that you have at that stage is like heightened, right? You know, you're yes. you're vulnerable, your guards are down, but you're also in a really creative space and in a really open space and in a really, I believe, enlightened space because you're now seeing things for the truth that they are and not for what they're not. Um, and so how was training, doing doula work and learning about birth and learning about all of these things while, whilst being pregnant yourself, was that intense? Oh, yes, it was intense. I mean, I, it was like I was on a... I'll say I'm still on it, but it was really, I was in the thick of this two year journey where everything was just being revealed to me. And when I just started seeing the the difference between what people think birth is and what people think the hospital is and all that stuff, it was just totally different than these other possibilities and these other realities. And I mean, it was just amazing. There's nothing that compares to that like euphoria when you when you find out for me. I don't know if it's the same for everybody else, but for me it's like it's literally like being on a high when I'm reading like, you know, this is what you thought, but this is what it actually mm. is. It's just like Oh, it just feels so good. It's the resonance of truth, right? And it's like, yeah, you, you know it when you know it, when you hear it. And it's like that resonance of like, yes, that makes sense. Like, of course, of course, like this, I'm more yep. need to know about it. And then all of a sudden I can see how that has led into your, your sharing and your social media. And it's like, I, I get that. So how did it feel kind of utilizing all of that knowledge and information for your second birth? How did that transform your experience? Oh, it was so interesting (laughs) (laughs) because I had, um, you know, when you start to learn, it's particularly about birth. When you start to learn the things that aren't true and you start to see how women are being manipulated and traumatized and they're not being uplifted through their birth experiences, it's very frustrating in I had a little bit of contempt for the medical system that I had to kind of work through and even out um, along my journey. But I'll say my birth went a lot faster. (laughs) I was in a lot less pain. Um, I had basically created a system to prepare myself every day. And it was just, it was really freaking cool to see that it worked Mm. because there's this pending like, is all this shit gonna add up like that I'm doing or is it it just like not gonna have any difference and I remember like the moment that I knew that I was getting ready to get give birth like I was um going back into the walking back into the hospital and it was like I'll never it was almost like being in a dream where you wake up and you're in the dream that's what it felt like. It was that surreal, otherworldly. Yes, it was so surreal. So like, I'm here, but I'm not here. Like, I'm in my body, but I'm not in my body. And that moment of knowing like, I'm about to have this baby right now. And this was not a painful experience. This was not like a bad experience. It wasn't, it was just nothing like my previous one. It was just so amazing. Like, mm it all really worked. I was mind blown. It was mind boggling. 
the amount of relief when you realize like all that work has actually paid off. Like I was very similar. I did a lot of work during both of my pregnancies, you know, affirmations and yoga and movement and visualization and birth boards and all of this stuff. And I was just like, anyhow, I don't get the birth that I'm planning for. This is going to be really embarrassing. If anything else, like, you know, everyone's like, yeah, you're just going to have the baby. It's like, yeah, you could do that. Or you could be proactive in that, in that process. And I believe that. And it did, it did work quote unquote, but obviously there is a level of kind of giving up control when you come when it comes to yeah. and finding that balance between okay well whatever's unfolding is going to be what needs to unfold um so I, I'm interested what made you still go down the hospital route even though you had uncovered all of this I guess negative information about medicalized hospitalized birth sure so um it's so funny because um like Scorpio, I'm a Scorpio and Scorpios are notorious. Oh, snap. <laughs> so you know this, Scorpios are notorious for being secretive. So it's like, as you ask more questions, I'm calculating like, how much will I share? <laughs> then I'm like, girl, like, if you don't put that ego down, it's not that serious. <laughs> well, if I'm so essentially, you want me to think about it. You'll just, you just tell me and then you'll be like, oops. <laughs> no, no, you're asking all the right questions. Um, So basically what happened was, again, this, second pregnancy was unplanned and so at the time um, my husband he had been working out of state so it was just me and my one-year-old and there were some kind of relationship things that we were working through and I was like going to doula training and taking care of my one-year-old and all that stuff so I was planning to be at a birth center okay the birth center that I had used previously and using the midwives that I had used previously But what happened was I had, you know, a stressful few weeks at the end of my pregnancy in my third trimester. And there was certain tests that you have to go in and do. And I was late on the test. So like, I don't know what test it was, maybe like getting blood drawn or something. I can't remember. But basically, I came in for a visit and they said, well, you were supposed to get this test at this many weeks and you didn't get it until this many weeks which means, you know, the information is a little bit skewed to what we're supposed to have. And if this is what I was directly told, if we get audited as a birth center, it will not look good for us to have you as a patient. And it was at that moment where I started to kind of have that contempt, like, you know, this is not about, and I told my midwives, I'm going through a really tough time right now. I'm stressed out. I have a one-year-old. My husband's not here. We're having relationship issues. And it was almost as if it went one in one ear and out the other. And that's when I began to see, like, you know, this system is not really here for women. It's just here and women are using it. Mm-hmm. So I don't even remember what the original question. Oh, why did I use the hospital? Yeah. So that's when they told me I could not use the birth center. And I was really bummed out about that. And so my backup plan was, okay, if I can't use the birth center, then I will have um, my friend, well, not my friend, but somebody that I knew and was close to. Um, She was a midwife and she offered her home as a birthing space. And at the time I knew that I had GBS, which when you have GBS, you have to like go get antibiotics. But I know over where you are, they don't even test for GBS. Um, So just for people who don't know what that is, can you just explain what GBS is? 
Sure. So basically, it's group beta streptococcus, and it is a bacteria that lives in our guts. And for women, it also lives in the area of the anus and in the vagina. Every single woman on the planet has this bacteria, but one third of women have a higher rate of this bacteria during pregnancy. Um, It has been linked to basically if a newborn comes through the vaginal passageway and they get that bacteria on them, it can colonize and it can cause them to be very, very ill. Mm -hmm. The likelihood of that is like, I'm pretty sure it's under like 1% with the technologies that we have to like, you know, screen and see like what babies are affected and what babies aren't. Um, So here in the States, even though you guys have basically ruled it out, like this is just, it's not something that we need to test for here in the States, everyone gets tested. And if you show up positive, just one time on a test, you have to get antibiotics. And at that point, now I have a very different, you know, feelings about GBS testing. But at that point, I was nervous and I was scared um, to just say, okay, to hell with it, I won't get the antibiotics, even though there are hundreds of women doing that (laughs) in the UK um, because they're not getting tested. So I went to the hospital and I told them, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor, I'm contracting. I want to get my antibiotics started, but I want to know if I can still like walk around and like, Honestly, I think I just didn't have a solid birth plan because there were so many moving pieces. My husband was trying to get into the state to make it. You know, I didn't want to be in the hospital. So I was considering going to see, you know, my midwife friend that I had made. And so it was a lot of moving pieces. (laughs) But long story short, I went to the hospital and I was like, could I get the antibiotics and then leave? Which sounds crazy, but this is what I was asking. And they said, basically, no. Once <laughs> and, and you have to stay here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, that was really a mistake on my part because I should have just either accepted that I was going to birth at a hospital or taken the risk mm-hmm. to not go to the hospital at all. Mm-hmm. But I really think when you're at the end of, when you're in labor, you're in between worlds and decision making is so hard so um I went in um we had a whole big long conversation about how you know they were confused and I was confused too I was just like look can y'all just get the antibiotics so I can feel better (laughs) and um I ended up leaving the hospital because I was like you know what I just need to go ahead and stick to my guns because I don't want to have my baby here okay um I don't feel safe I don't feel like I'm really being heard right people are just like kind of blowing me off and so I'm walking out the hospital um I get to the car and my husband is like you're acting a lot different than you were in the hospital like you're making different kind of sounds and your whole body language is changing and he's just looking at me like and I can already <laughs> I can already hear the words that he's about to say before they come off of his lips. Um, and we talked to the friend of mine and she was like, no, you're not going to make it to me. So we got back out the car. We walked up to the hospital. And as soon as I walked into the doors of the hospital, I felt myself just go like my I just left out of my body. I was in a different world. I was in transition. Mm -hmm. I walked in, 
I was in the hospital for maybe four or five minutes. I had not been admitted. I didn't have a wristband on. I didn't change my clothes. And the baby was born. Wow. So I had just barely made it into a hospital room before I think I had maybe two more contractions when I got into the room and then boom, baby was there. And I was like, oh, shit!" like all that time that I was sitting there having a full blown conversation, like, you know, I don't really want to risk like my baby's life. But at the same time, like, I don't want to have my baby all that conversating was happening while I was literally five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten centimeters. That's crazy. And yeah. So I hope, I mean, I really hope that whoever listens to this, I hope they take away that like you need to have a solid birth <laughs> before you go into labor. Yeah. But also don't uh, underestimate the amount of work that you had done was still allowing your body physiologically to do what it needed to do, even though you were being engaged and asked to engage in these questions and this conversation. We know, uh, you know, a mother should be left alone at that time, right? And protected to just do what she needs to do. But your body was already doing what it needed to do. And so as soon as you felt safe and you were in a space, you could just let go. And as soon as you let go, baby came. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with me. Sure, sure. I mean, it was an intense experience. (laughs) It just brings me back. It brings me back to the power of birth. And it brings me back to the, I guess, the problematic um, medicalization of birth. Because what swayed you, it sounds like, was the fear and the kind of, you know, unsurety and not wanting to put your child at risk. And um, I had a similar situation where I had a low platelet count, which is the clotting mechanism of the blood. So where I had a postpartum hemorrhage with my first daughter, um, midwives and doctors were worried that that was going to happen for the second, uh, for my second child. And I was really confident that I was doing all of this work to override it, just give my body the chance to do what it needs to do. And we have the privilege of living in a system where if anything does go wrong, there is medical staff and, you know, options available, but don't preempt that that's going to happen. Um, and I managed to kind of negotiate and sign away all my kind of responsibility to say, I will take, you know, full responsibility for anything that potentially goes wrong. And thank goodness, everything went according to plan without any intervention, without any of the the hype and the fear and the drama that they had put onto me. And when I said to them, can you make my story available Mm -hmm. for any other woman who asks after me, they were like, uh, we can't do that because technically that wasn't really a medicated birth. And I was just like, this is why the statistics are the way that they are, because they told me there were, there were no women who had done this before Mm me. And I was like, I know there must be some, like, where are they? Like, where were these stories? And so I think by sharing your story and talking about your birth and talking about the work that you did to prepare for your birth and still feeling conscious, even in a space where so much of your power could be taken away, that's what I believe, you know, the, the power lies is, is for women to realize that actually you still are in control and you still have that opportunity to kind of come into your power So yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I mean, if anything, it definitely showed me how important it is to be conscious of how much you're persuaded by certain things 
And we're always being persuaded, like, Mm -hmm. by the people that we talk to, the things we see on TV, you know, everything is constantly kind of making this imprint on our minds and affecting the way we think. And that experience really was like eye-opening about how pregnant people are really, really just open to being persuaded and manipulated. And um, yeah, that was just very, (laughs) I wouldn't do it like that again, but I learned a lot from that experience. Mm. And so your whole message and ethos is around having this holistic approach to mothering and to pregnancy and to birth and to breastfeeding. What is a holistic conscious lifestyle Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm still feeling that out because in the beginning you want to do all the things you want to do the yoga, the meditation, the vegan diet, the, you know, gallon of water a day. You want to baby wear breastfeeding. It's just so many boxes that you want to like tick, 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 like tick, off on the list. And what I'm starting to see is that it's not so much about all the things you are doing versus a lot of things that you aren't doing. Like, um, and attacking those, it's kind of attacking that side of it because I don't know. I just, it's all about balance. And I think it all starts in the mind and how you're integrating certain information. Because to me, even on the weeks and the days where I feel like, man, I I ate really horribly and, you know, I didn't get up and do this particular meditation session that I think would help. It's just about awareness and mindfulness and how you're going to move forward. And really just about being able to see the different decisions that you're making and why you're making those decisions. That's really all of what it boils down to. Why are you eating the way you are eating? Why are you engaging with your television and your phone the way you're engaging with it? Why are you talking to the people that you're talking to? Why are you feeling the way you are feeling? Like why? And beginning to answer those questions Mm -hmm. in every single area of life. It's not about drinking the smoothies. It's not about you know, going to yoga class. It's not about those things. It's just having the awareness and the willingness to look at yourself and be like, I have maybe like eight areas of my life where I can really improve on. Let's start thinking about those things. That's all that it's about and understanding that like, you know, your your success and happiness and fulfillment in life, I think comes from a holistic approach not just I gotta make all the money and then I'll be happy or I have Mm -hmm. to find the perfect man and then I'll be happy it's like you could find the perfect man and be broke would you still be happy if you were hungry with Mr. Perfect Mm -hmm. you know or vice versa so yeah it's just about like understanding really just how life works in the human the human body a lot of people don't understand that you're manifesting diseases in your body because you're sick in your mind Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You're manifesting things in your mind because you're eating crap all day long. And I am not like outside of that bubble. I am in that bubble every day. I'm like, God damn, like I ate that piece of cake yesterday and now I feel like horrible today. And it's, it's, it's that ongoing cycle, but it's about being aware of like, 
it's not just this one part of me. It's the whole thing. Everything affects everything else. That's how I feel. Yeah. What I hear from that is the intention and the energy, because people I find, as you talked about, you know, entering in the wellness or the spiritual kind of work can go so gun ho with like all the restrictions of like, I am now not going to do this, this, and this, or I'm now going to start doing this, this, and this. And the stress that you can cause yourself is actually unhealthier than the peace that you were having, just living in the ignorant bubble that you were in before. Right. And it's like, yes. Speak on it. Yes, exactly. You know, you're doing yourself a disservice energetically if you are then making yourself feel guilty for, or, you know, uh, renouncing things that then make you feel like you're living in limitation. It's about having the right intention and the right energy of which is to feel at ease in your life in a way that feels conscious and aware. And, and what you talked about in terms of why we make the decisions that we make, you know, half of those choices are unconscious and conditioned anyway. So bringing that awareness into, okay, actually, yeah, why have I been scrolling for, you know, 30 minutes when I could be doing something else? And bringing that into motherhood and into our health just create space. It creates space to be able to see mm-hmm. things for what they are, to be able to question in a way that gives us more truth. And then from that truth, making actual conscious choices about, okay, well, do I want to do something that's towards that or away from that? So I really, I'm relieved actually that you didn't give me a long list of like, and the smoothies and the meditations and the this and the that. And I definitely kind of go between those two extremes of like, now I need to do everything. And now I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to make a, a side because I think the wellness community and the spiritual community together are becoming very elitist in the fact that, um, you know, in order for you to really be awakened, you know, you can't eat this, 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 and this. You have to eat organic and non-GMO and da 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 da. And I think that people are coming from a very well-intentioned place. But what do you tell to the person that's in prison for the rest of their life? that you're not allowed to access spiritual enlightenment in a beautiful, holistic life? You know, what do you tell to the people that are living in poverty or who are dealing with very tough situations? Like, Thank you. And I think we've inadvertently commercialized wellness and, you know, this self-help spirituality into something that can be prepackaged and served to you into your email inbox and, you know, you got to buy this, this, and this, and do these little things, and off you go. And although I value all those things, like the smoothies and the eating right and all that stuff, I think we can overly focus on it because what I want to know is, are you working on those deep and nasty things that are holding you down? Because you can do yoga for years and still carry that same baggage. I mean, I think that it's all about vibration. We're all trying to get to this loving, lighthearted, safe vibration and stay there. Mm. I don't think most people realize that's what (laughs) they're trying to do, but that's what the attempt is. And we're all going to kind of chip away at that differently. But I feel like it's not so much about what can take you up there, but more so what's holding you back from being there. Because I think we are born or we're, we have the ability to be born on that vibration. So 
it's like unpacking the stuff. And as you unpack, you get a little lighter, you get a little higher, and then you got to go back down and fix something else that you didn't see. And so you can use those modalities of like your diet and the meditation and the yoga and the classes and all that stuff. But it's really just about doing the work and like integrating that into your life, which for me, that's the process that I am continually (laughs) chipping away at like, especially as a mother. And how does that look for you? Like, it seems like you are doing a lot of those things, you know, those said things that you just mentioned on your Instagram, you always share about your, your food and your yoga and your movement and your meditation. And I'm like, how old are her babies? Who's the help? Where is, where are they at? Like, how are you managing that balance? Yeah, I'm not like, that's the truth. I'm not balancing it. Y'all just see when the day, the one day out of the week that it gets balanced, you know, that's pretty much it. Like some days there, there's, if you go on my page, there's no story. And I can bet you on that day when like, you can go on my icon, there's nothing to click because I didn't make a story for that day. I'm probably having a real shitty ass day. <laughs> and then the next day, I'm like, all right, let's get it together. All right, let me post my smoothie, right? But, you know, and sometimes I do make it a point to post when I have bad days so people can see that. But even still, I I tend to post the good things and the good days. And, um, you know, I'm really just, I'm a nerd. So most days, if I'm really trying to do some inner work, it normally starts off with looking to other teachers, like, I'm very much into learning about psychology, about how the brain works and how that interacts with the spirit and biology and how the body works and how that interacts. So, you know, doing that work really is like researching and then like having my mind blown and my world shattered because I'm like, damn, like that's more stuff for me to work on. And then I go and I like, you know, you know, just try to work on it. And that's pretty much it. But it's not consistent. It's not consistent. Like, I have very, very high weeks where I'm like, going in on like, self stuff. And then there are weeks where I'm just like, I'm just gonna get on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And scroll. That's it. (laughs) yeah and how important has it been you know sharing your journey because obviously you have a large following on Instagram you've built up quite a tribe um and so do you feel a pressure now to kind of show up in a particular way um no I don't (laughs) well yes yes and no I don't feel pressure to be consistent because I'm a mother and it's Instagram (laughs) But I do feel pressure to be this person that I have been being. And um, sometimes when I feel myself like, I kind of want to talk about something different or I want to post this thing that's a lot that I haven't ever really talked about. I feel that little anxiety creep up like, uh-uh-uh, that's not why they followed you. They followed you because you said these things and you talked about these topics. So sometimes I do feel like I have to kind of stay in this, like, I have to be stuck to my story that I have told people. Um, But now I'm kind of using Instagram in a different way, which is at first, you know, this is why I have the name Her Holistic Path, because even the, the page in it of itself, if you scroll down, you will see the path unfolding. Um, 
because I used to kind of use it as like this open book, like open diary style type of Instagram where it's just like, here's my life. But now I'm seeing the power of social media and I'm kind of beginning to use it more for education and having just a landing space for pregnant people and breastfeeding people to come and receive Mm. education, guidance, but also to see another person like them who is a parent, who is a mother, and who's also like struggling. Mm. So I do still sprinkle in those realistic moments in between like, okay, let's learn about birth, let's learn about breastfeeding, but also like, let's just splash in this little aspect of my journey in motherhood because I think we just need to see the reality Mm. of people. We do, we do. And I find that so inspiring. Like I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Sometimes the kind of pressure to stay in the box that you've created for yourself. But Mm. my whole, my whole belief is that you're growing as a mother. Like, yes, you're still breastfeeding now, but there's going to be a stage at which you're not. And are you necessarily going to be super impassioned and invested in speaking Mm -hmm. about that all the time when your journey is now taking you onto learning about discipline or learning about you know, homeschooling or, you know, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, other parts of your journey that for me, I speak for myself as one of the people who followed your journey. I would love to see that side of things as well. So I I get that whole dynamic between wanting to stay serving the women who've been attracted to you for a particular reason, but I would encourage you to just, you know, still leave space for yourself to grow, to grow into the path as it unfolds Mm -hmm. for you. Um, and so what, what are some of those things as they're coming up for you now? Like what stage of motherhood are you in and what are you invested in learning about and how is that kind of adapting the way that you parent now? Yeah. So, um, previously I just kind of came out of this stage where I was learning a lot about discipline and I was learning a lot about, um, the psychological development of, humans when they have traumatic situations in their lives and I was really into that so I just kind of came out of that phase and I was in that phase for like two different reasons I was first like feeling really not good about my parenting like through the toddler years Mm -hmm. I was feeling like I'm just kind of like repeating what I saw my parents do and other parents do and that's it doesn't feel like it's right for me and for my baby. And so part of it was like, okay, I need to find what is right. And then part of it was like dealing with my own shit, like just figuring out what happened to me and my brain and my psyche as a child that is affecting me now, because we're all like all of us, we are just little children in big bodies. Like we're carrying so much, trauma and fear and stories and baggage from our childhood that is affecting us now. And so I was in this phase of like, just learning so much about that. Um, And and just like coming to the, again, unflipping the, like the coin and seeing like, okay, all this parenting stuff that I see is kind of bullshit to me. So like, what's the other side of this? And I flipped the rock over and I'm like, mind blown earth shattered like I feel like a horrible mom because of like all these things I'm learning so I kind of went into this like semi-dark space where I really had to like figure out 
who I am, why I am, what I'm doing, what I want to release and what I want to change. And so now I'm in a period where it feels like all of what I was learning and integrating is starting to kind of settle. And there's a lot of releasing. So before it was like this, this struggle of like, oh man, like I figured out this thing. And sometimes you want to hold on to your woundedness because you're so used to it being there. And you're like, no, mm-hmm. but mm, it's comfortable. <laughs> but that's who I am, right? And so that was a struggle to like really let that stuff go. Like not just like, oh, like I'm going to just say a little mantra. No, like every day getting up and be like, damn, it's still there. It's still there. It's still showing up. I'm still recognizing mm-hmm. it. I'm still seeing it. So now I'm at a point where I know that it's a possibility that all of those things aren't gone, <laughs> but I'm able to just mother mm-hmm. in a more relaxed way and not feeling like so nitpicky, like, oh, I did that wrong and I did this wrong and I should have did that thing that that book said because I've kind of done the work to integrate certain things if that makes sense. <laughs> mm, I would love to hear some examples because I, uh-huh. I get exactly what you're saying, but it's nice to kind of tease out some like hard actual examples of things that you've let go or things that you realized through your journey of research that were kind of like, whoa, I've been doing this like in a completely different way and I now need to switch that up. Sure. Um, so I was just I just want to throw these names out there because I don't want people to think these are all my concepts and um, I want people to be able to tap into these resources. So I was looking at Dr. Shafali. She has a book called uh, The Awakened Family and the Conscious Parent. I was looking at um, Gentle Discipline by Sarah Aquell, and I was looking at Avitel, the Parenting Junkie, yes. and I was looking at This is the Most Important yeah. Person. Gabor Mate. These people, um, they help me to see basically one big thing. I can boil it down to one thing. When you become a parent, depending on how you were raised, you feel as though you have the power and the authority over that person. Yes. You, you know, if you're the birthing person, you birth the person, you birth the baby, you feed the baby, you change the baby. You do all these things for the baby and you in turn feel like you receive power. I do all these things for you. And therefore you have to be quiet. When I say be quiet, you have to stop running. When I say stop running, you can't talk back. You can't say no. And I was raised, you know, as kind of, you know, like a very traditional, like strict parent, um, a loving parent, a freaking awesome mom but strict, like there is no talking back. There is no like you getting in trouble in school. Like these things are just non-negotiable, not happening. So, and um, again, like I don't, I don't um, have content against my parents for those things. I just see that those were part of my journey. But I was realizing that I was going to bed angry at night with myself because I would say, Oh, I shouldn't have yelled at, um, you know, my toddler like that when I got frustrated or I shouldn't have um, put her in time out or I shouldn't have, you know, just the way I was parenting, it, it, it wasn't making me feel good. 
it was making me feel like there's just a big power struggle every single day. Like, I don't want to be like, no, no, no. Like the no it's draining. It's draining it's to mother exhausting. that way. It's exhausting. It's um, exhausting. And I started realizing how just the simple shift in understanding that this is a person. They're a little tiny person that can't do a lot of things on their own, but I have to respect that this is still a person. So if she says, like, here's an example. I had a period where I really did not like when my three-year-old said no. I felt embarrassed when she did it in front of other people. I felt like she didn't respect me (laughs) as a three-year-old. And I felt like I was doing something wrong because, you know, again, I was raised like, there's no talking back. There's no, none of that stuff. Like you, you, you getting that butt. Yeah. What do you mean? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, I just shifted and I was realizing that what I'm teaching her is that it's not okay to say no. And what if she carries that, um, you know, and she gets into a moment where she's at school or with friends and somebody tells her to do something really, really stupid. And she, because of me, is scared to say no because she has been programmed since one years old, two years old, three years old that saying no is bad because at that age, they're not going to rationalize that saying no is bad Mm. to, you know, certain things in certain situations with mommy. No, they just absorb. And I was like, holy crap. Like I've dealt with so much in my life where I was just afraid to speak up for myself. And I realized that some of that had to do with that, like, idea that children are supposed to be, like, seen but not heard. Oh, God. Yeah. And I was like, wow, what if she grows up and, you know, can't stand up for herself or can't speak up or, you know, I I was, like, just having this epiphany that it's not about what we want when we're parenting. It's about you know, what we are actually doing to them, what we're actually teaching them. Like, it's not okay to say no. It's not okay to be angry. That's another example. Like, I thought about all the times that I'm angry. If somebody, if another adult came up to me while I was in the midst of my anger and said, stop crying. What you crying for? Use your words. Use your words. You know, stop whining. If somebody said that to me while I was pissed off, that would make me more angry. And I would feel like I can't trust you. So I can't open up to you and I can't trust you with my emotions because you only want me to be happy. And I was like, holy crap. Like I'm, I'm teaching her this just because I cannot get over the fact that she's a toddler and she's going to whine and cry a lot. And I just have to get over it because if I override that, it's going to teach her that those emotions are not okay. And moreover, it will suppress those instead of getting her to understand how to process. So those are some examples of things that I learned. um, And I really had to change my thinking about that because I thought as a parent, I was supposed to cut all of that off. Mm. You know, that that's especially being a black mother in a, in a black community I mean, people look at you crazy when your child is like crying in the grocery store and they like, you ain't going to smack her. You like, they just waiting. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. And I'm glad you spoke on it because I think so much of what we carry as culture is really just trauma. 
you know? Yes. Um, yes. You know, you don't realize that the ways that we've been parented and that our parents were parented were for their survival in a system that wasn't for them. Like it wasn't set up for their thriving. And yeah. so to survive, you know, your subservience was, was necessary. But now I feel like many of us are privileged enough to be in places where speaking up and speaking out is actually a necessity and it's not going to get us killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have an obligation now to raise free people and not people who are just, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a real challenge and it's a real, real test because me and my husband are going through these conversations right about now. Mm-hmm. And we have very, I would say very agreeing points in theory, but in practice, how that actually looks. Oh, it all goes. <laughs> <laughs> very different situation yeah looking at each other I'm like so you know what we're doing in this moment I'm like analyzing in the moment in the moment yeah (laughs) nobody ain't got time for this she needs to sit down or you know whatever the situation is yeah yeah this is it's an unfolding moment by moment situation because you're starting to realize like what is this triggering in me? What is this response that I'm feeling? And most of the times it is shame. It is uncertainty. It's fear. It's like, you know, if she goes out into the world and is like this to somebody else, she could get hurt or somebody could do something to her. Or, you know, there is this fear around what will people say about me as a parent or my abilities or who I'm being or what I'm saying about my culture or, you know, it just brings up a lot. So I commend you for just continuing on the journey you know it's it's an ongoing ongoing one that I oh yes <laughs> walking right now <laughs> and and I don't want to paint the picture that you know I I am perfect now or that I didn't do bad things or bad parenting like the bad parenting was very much there now that I can see what it was but um it just it really took me, um, Gabor Mate talks about this. It just took me one story to hear him talk about how essentially like the Holocaust and how the way those people were treated in the Holocaust affected their children before they were even born. When you look at the statistics and things of that nature. And then I Mm -hmm. translated that information and I said, well, if this applies to the Holocaust, what in the hell are we dealing with here in the States for people who, you know, have ancestors who went through slavery? And it's almost as if we've romanticized the, um, the damaging of our children. You know, I've, I've been in circles with friends and been like, oh, yeah, remember when you used to get your ass beat? Mm. For, you know, the, and you sit and laugh like, yeah, my mom used to beat me with a spoon. Yeah, my mom used to beat me with... And it's like, we all, ha ha, isn't it great that we're not getting beat no more because we're not kids? You know, and it's like, hold up. What? No. I'm going to put a link into the show notes and I'll send you it. Um, it talks about that exact phenomenon and it's it's specific to African-American kind of realities now with, with police brutality and, you know, tracing the history from slavery to modern day discipline and how parents almost feel like they have to punish their children more than the state would for their own protection. Uh, and just some of the parallels that she draws, it's mm. just chilling to 
to re to really see it like that. And obviously nobody with love and intention is doing that. But like when you, when you really look at it like that on that level, yeah. it is that continuing of the cycle. And so we do have an opportunity, you know, as we step into this consciousness and this awareness to break some of these intergenerational chains. It's like, you know, we're not in those situations anymore and let's start living like that. And let's actually teach our DNA that we're not in that place. And so let's actually be in a place of calm and actually teach our children that they're safe and they're loved and they're held. And what does that do for your body? You know, exactly. So it's a really deep one. And I know we're coming to the end of our time. So I don't want to, <laughs> I, I, I know we could talk all day. <laughs> We're just getting to the juicy part. I know. Um, I just kind of wanted to come back to, I guess, what's next for you on your journey and how you see your work unfolding and what your mission is. Um, so right now, um, I've had, I've come out of this fuzzy phase and I've had a moment of clarity that my main mission at this point in my life is to shed light on birth and get birthing people to understand that the current medical system that we have may not be serving you. And so it's mm -hmm. worth the time and the effort to look into birth, the systems that surround birth. And if you really want to partake in those systems, the way that they are set up for you, that's my main mission. I really focus on encouraging women to demand a beautiful birth experience. Just see, can you have a birth that isn't painful? Can you have a birth that isn't traumatic? Can you have a birth that isn't numbing and desensitizing? Can it be something that opens you up? And so right now, I'm really just focusing on bringing people to my page and just piquing that interest in them and I'm also working on expanding my program right now. I have something called the Virtual Doula Birthright Program. And in that, I just show people all of the things that I did to be able to have a birth that wasn't painful. To be able to have a birth where I could sit there and converse with someone while I was, you know, eight centimeters and I didn't even realize it. Um, so that's what I'm really focused on. I, I think that women birthing people are very accepting of the nature of the birth uh, community right now. And I'm ready for people to challenge it and say, you know what, you know, I know my OB is telling me that I should just get an epidural. And I know that the anesthesiologist is knocking at the door, but I am demanding a birth experience that has me at the center and not the medical paradigm at the center. And getting people to understand, I'm ranting right now, I'm sorry. Go for it. Go for it, girl. <laughs> Just getting people to understand that it's not a mechanical process. It's a mind, body, spirit, universal, mm -hmm. cosmic, otherworldly process. And mm -hmm. you can tap into that and it can do so much for you as a mother. Yeah. That that's that's what my mission is right now. I really want to see by I always say to myself, by the time I leave this planet, I want birth to look totally different. Totally. Not just at my hands, but just just mm. everyone just putting in their work to say, this has got to change. That's gotta change. So right now I'm kind of taking the 
the grassroots approach of like, hey, you know, let's let's talk about birth on Instagram and, you know, try out my program and see if you can have like a crazy like blissed out birth and, you know, just spread the word. And hopefully as time goes on, we will be able to change the system. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your passion and your commitment and your just consistency around this subject, because it is something that can transform the way that the next generation experiences life, you know, that is no small feat. So, um, yeah, just continued strength on your journey. Thank you for taking this time for sharing with us. It was a pleasure. It was great. Do you think you're going to have any more babies? Um, of course, of course. Um, I, I speak this very seriously out into the universe. I'm not having no babies within the next five years. Okay. That ain't happening. Okay. I need at least, I'm going to say four to five years to like, you know, build up my business, focus on things, all of that, recover from having two under two. Um, but I most definitely want to have more children. I love birth. I mean, the whole process of now that I know what it takes to to enjoy the process, I love it. Like, even though my birth story was crazy, it felt so good to birth a baby and not feel like it was a traumatizing experience. So, yes, at some point there will be more babies. Yes, God willing. Um, trust me, if I have any more, I know who I'm coming to first. Like I'm I'm straight hitting you up. <laughs> straight, straight. So where can people reach you if they're not already following you? Sure. So both on Facebook and Instagram is her holistic path. That's H-E-R-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C path. Um, and if you're looking for doula services or learning about you know, how to have that painless childbirth, you can send me an email at herholisticpath at gmail.com. Thank you, mama. I know you also do birth photography too, right? Yes, I now do birth photography. I've like, I'm like, how many things am I going to do? But um, it's like a new passion that I found because I think documenting birth is so powerful, um, especially for mm. women of color and I think it's important for all women, but really being able to see to see the diversity um, in birth and being able to see yourself like, oh, there's a person that looks like me, talks like me, thinks like me, and they're having mm. the type of birth that I want. That imagery on the brain psychologically is so powerful. So, yep, I do birth photography too. <laughs> yes, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And the shirts, girl, I'm doing your job for you. <laughs> <laughs> I need you on my PR team. <laughs> I love, I love the shirts. Yes, the shirts. I mean, the shirts really started off. Um, I don't even know. I think I just was like, oh, I can design shirts and like, look, like this is kind of cool. And I just started making these shirts about, you know, I do know where it started. When you become a mom, you change the way you dress. <laughs> you start dressing more comfortably and like. You, everything has had pockets and like you just can't be wearing a bunch of frilly stuff because it's annoying and it doesn't work it's not functional and so I was like feeling kind of down like dang all my mom clothes are kind of drab like I need to spice this up and I was like oh I could just make a whole bunch of cool graphic t-shirts and then you know wear my leggings and I'll be straight 
exactly exactly you created from a place of needs and then look what happens I just respect the hustle and everything kind of aligns so thank you I really appreciate having this time and this conversation together and um I I hope we're going to stay connected and continue some of these discussions of course both invested in just finding the truth and you know walking the path in a conscious way so hopefully this has inspired more women to do that too so thanks and I hope you have a blessed rest of the day so next week is the 12th and last episode of this first season of the soul mama podcast I'm going to be going solo, sharing what I've learned so far, reliving some of the highlights from this first round of powerful conversations. Which episode has been your favorite so far? I'm going to feature some of your feedback and comments and speaking into what's coming next. If you want to send me anything ahead of that, DM me on Instagram or email me and let's make it a date. It's just going to be me and you and I can't wait.